the moment has arrived. I'm Tom Dickinson, and you are listening to a podcast about Doctor Who, and that podcast is called The Moment. Each week on the show, I talk for a while with a different Doctor Who fan about a different moment from a different episode of Doctor Who. Except this week, instead of talking about a different episode of Doctor Who, we will be talking about the same episode of Doctor Who that we talked about last week. In last week's episode of The Moment, I spoke with Shannon Dohar about Doctor Who's 50th anniversary special, 2013's The Day of the Doctor. Shannon and I chatted about a moment near the end of that episode, but this week, I'm talking to writer and podcaster Merlin Mann about a moment that takes place about 11 minutes before that, because, like the Doctor, we are not beholden to such trifling concerns as basic chronology. Which is just as well, because Merlin and I spoke way back in April 2020, which is now almost a year ago. As you might recall, that episode sees the 11th Doctor Matt Smith and his companion, Clara Oswald, played by Jenna Coleman, teaming up with two earlier incarnations of the Doctor, the War Doctor John Hurt and the 10th Doctor David Tennant. As Merlin's moment begins, the War Doctor has retreated to a barn on Gallifrey, where he is about to wipe out all the Time Lords by activating the sentient Gallifreyan superweapon known as the Moment. It me. The 10th and 11th Doctors show up in the barn along with Clara, intending to join the War Doctor and provide him with support as he makes the difficult decision to destroy Gallifrey. But before they can push that button, the sentient AI of the moment, which happens to be played by Billy Piper, shows them all a projection of the carnage that's happening in the Time Lord capital. And that is when Merlin's moment happens. I feel so fortunate, Tom. I can't believe I get something close to the titular line from your program. Uh, my moment that I am picking, it literally involves the moment, and it's from the episode called Day of the Doctor. You were the doctor on the day. It wasn't possible to get it right. The War Doctor is about to hit the big red button. But this time. And 10 and 11 show up. You don't have to do it alone. And it's in particular, starting really with the interaction that they have with Clara. These are the people you're going to burn. When they are sort of in the projection of what, what happened on Gallifrey. But there's that moment where she's starting to cry. Look at you. And she's talking to the three of them. The three of you. And what was the line? The warrior, the hero. The warrior, the hero, and you. And you. And he sort of steps out of the shadow a little bit. Mm. I'm sure you know the shot I'm talking about. With his head sort of cocked. And what am I? Have you really forgotten? Yes. Maybe, yes. If you're watching this as sort of a, a, a less super engaged fan, like, you'll go, oh, that's really cool. That's like the, uh, the three doctors, you know, three different doctors. That's really cool. But then you're like, wait a minute. But they are kind of really the same person. Mm. And, you know, not to be too corny about this, but it's after I had a kid, my brain really melted in certain ways. And I started to see more continuity between the humans in my life than I'd ever seen before. Of course, I knew that my grandfather was a child at some point. You know what I mean? I, of course, I know that someday my child will get old and die. But there is a strange continuity to how our relationships change over life, what we remember, what we forget, what we wish we could forget. And there's such a tremendous weight to what, in this case, Matt Smith's uh, What Eleven has access to. And what am I? Have you really forgotten? Yes. Maybe, yes. And he needs sort of the cueing of these other people. We've got enough warriors. And the old idiot can be a hero. To, like, help fill in some of the blanks. And what do I do? He's got questions about what happened, but he doesn't want to push too far. And then Clara steps in. What you've always done. Like, this is T-H-E moment right here. To really ground him. Be a doctor. In more than just, like, you know, what he should or shouldn't do right now, but ultimately who he is. 
You told me the name you chose was a promise. What was the promise? We've heard about the promise. Now we're going to hear what the promise is. Never cruel or cowardly. And the way that they stagger, the three of them saying, you know, talking about it and the way that they do. Never give up. I, I, Never give up. I don't think it's over corny. I think it's extremely successful because this is this alien with two hearts who has a very skewed idea about, you know, what we would think of as the linear nature of time. And it's not really so different. I mean, th- think about something like the, the carousel episode of Mad Men. Mm. This device isn't a spaceship. It's a time machine. Because he's able to, his, his marriage is in terrible shape. Goes backwards and forwards. Weird relationship with his kids. I think you probably know the episode I'm talking about of Mad Men. Yeah. It takes us to a place where we ache to go again. And, and he's given the pitch for the Kodak uh, slide carousel. But he's showing pictures of himself. It's not called the wheel. And he's showing pictures of his wife from a happier time. It's called the carousel. Now, if I saw that when I was 18, I would think that was very clever. Seeing that when I was in my late 40s was extremely moving to me. Because there's the me that's watching this now. There's the me that was around when my dad died when I was seven. There's the me that made so many mistakes in college. And those are all me. It's all the same person. But it's also not the same person. And I feel like this is an episode where they really successfully interrogated, without getting silly about it, they really interrogated the idea that these are different people but the same person. He is in some ways a role and a title Mm. more than a quote-unquote human. And I love the way that they deal with that. And I love the the joy, the, the joy of like figuring out you know, th- think about that Eccleston episode with that famous line. Everybody lives, Rose. Just this one. The doctor dances. Everybody The doctor lives. dances, exactly. Which is very out of character for, in many ways, for Nine and for the doctor in some ways. Um, that was Moffat's first script for the show, too. Is that right? The doctor, the, two, the two-parter, The Empty Child and The Doctor Dances. That was Moffat's first Doctor Who script. You know, this is just one of those shows where, like, there's a phrase I've been trying to coin for probably five years now, which is just called, it's called The Gimme. And here's a, a gimme is this. A gimme is the band, the Smiths. I know you don't like the Smiths, people. I really like the Smiths. Can I just have that as a gimme? <laughs> I know Doctor Who is a silly kids show with hardly any budget, but can you just let me have this as a gimme? Um, because I am so ready to give over my sensibility and my critical faculties in a way that I wouldn't for a lot of other things. This is this is just my this is my happy thing. How did you first become a Doctor Who fan? Well, I'm. I'm I'm a funny kind of Doctor Who fan in the sense that, like probably a lot of people of my age or thereabouts, being very old, Doctor Who was a show that would come on PBS, in my case, back in um, Florida, Saturday nights, like 9 o'clock. And, you know, you would know roughly when it would be on. You didn't know how long it was going to run. You didn't know if the episodes that they showed would even be in the right order. If you were not already a huge fan of Doctor Who, it was, you went into it knowing you were about to be very confused. <laughs> and I came in um, circa 80, 81 when they were showing Fourth Doctor episodes. And I would watch it when I could. And I, I got very into it because it was really, it was just so weird. And then I didn't give it hardly any thought. Until even past Christopher Eccleston, I was aware of David Tennant. But it was one of those things almost like getting my kid and me into comic books again, where like I rediscovered Doctor Who, or you know, some sometime probably around eleventh hour. And that was her doctor, of course. Mm. The whole thing with Amy Pond, and like he said he was just gonna be away for a few minutes mm-hmm. because he's got a different idea of time. And then what happened? twelve years. You hit me with a cricket bat. <laughs> 12 years. A cricket bat. 12 years and four psychiatrists. Four. He comes back and she's a mess. I kept fighting them. Why? 
They said you weren't real. I think their chemistry was really special. And then when Rory comes along, I believe my friend Alex was on this show to talk about yes, they were. a Rory and... Yeah, yeah. I mean, that stuff is... I hate those angels. <laughs> I continue to say that um, if you want to jump in, I think almost everybody I know says this. If you want to jump in with the Doctor Who franchise, you could do a lot worse than starting with the 11th hour. If you hate the 11th hour, you might want to consider just stopping there. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> if you're excited by the end when he decides what bow tie to wear and he's talking to the eye monster. Hello, I'm the Doctor. And you're like, yes, this is so exciting. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> And then this, this to me was really the height of my daughter and me by being super into Doctor Who. You get a little further down, you get to Matt Smith's last episode, and I was so loaded for Bear to love it, and I did like it, but I don't think that succeeded anywhere near the way this one did. Of course I Hello, Doctor. I wept like a baby when she goes and visits him, and he's an old man, and he's been helping all the people, but like... Why were we so young? Nah, that, that was you. was a little too Matt Smith, and the makeup was a little silly. You know, but this one in particular, I feel like they really walked a line, and by the time you get to using that reused you know, old footage of everybody or him saying, I hope the ears are less prominent this time or whatever, it's just, you know, there had been other episodes with multiple doctors. <laughs> yeah, the latest spot. And it was fun. Yes, and the most agreeable. Oh, fun fan service. Sometimes you got to reuse old footage of the fourth doctor to make it work, but right. I feel like there was so much wonderful payoff in getting these three actors together in this. Like you've seen a ghost. Because they're so different. They have so much energy. Hell, loving the posh gravelly things. Wake a minute. <laughs> Brave words, Dick Van Dyke. And I, I'm never quite sure how much I should really think about the plot of a, of a given Doctor Who episode. But if I think about it too hard, this probably won't make a ton of sense. But I love time travel stuff. I love Doctor Who. I love things that make me cry. This is like a huge hit for me. Uh, and I feel like it really does kind of come together. It's several times in this. There's all the interaction, you know, sand shoes and granddad. Sand shoes and granddad. Granddad. They're not sand shoes. Yes, they are. All that kind of stuff. And that devi- the whole device, the horny but wonderful device of... <laughs> it's the same screwdriver. Oh, wait a minute. This, this particular sonic screwdriver has been working on this problem for a long time. It's like, oh, come on, that's so good. Same so- software, different case. That's and the way then they like I said the way they sort of like realize it at different times what's been happening is uh, I think that's I think that's just delightful and also I think it's kind of cool that the actual the moment being the device and Are you afraid of the big bad wolf the <laughs> bad wolf girl yeah how do you explain this nonsense to somebody <laughs> it's such a, it's such a fun mechanic for the storytelling I really like the way it's done I like that they're really clarifying what it is that he that he needs to do here and even though it's just fan service aplenty but also there's something extremely moving about the whole idea of the doctor. And the idea of, like, he's, he's the way he is in a given incarnation. But I'm a time lord. Oh, I know you're a time he's lord. He's experiencing his life in a way that would be very foreign for us. I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity. What's that supposed to be? And I feel like I love the way they lean into that with this, down to, like, what order they're realizing things in. And who has the memory of what? He's blotted out this memory. He doesn't know what he's supposed to be. And um, I just, this is my favorite episode of Doctor Who. I'm that basic bitch is like, I, this is my favorite episode of the show. There's a lot that I like in other Doctors, other seasons. I don't know if it's the best episode, but to me it is for sure my most satisfying episode. Yeah, it's, it's got a real joyous quality to it. But it's got different tones and colors to mm. it also. There is a lot of heaviness, but there's also a huge amount of very funny. It's a uh, timey-wimey thing. 
Timey wop. Just very funny. That's exactly what that person would say. Kind of situation. Timey wimey. I've, I've no idea where he picks that stuff up. When they're having to deal with each other and their different personalities, um, that really pays off. I'm a huge fan of Clara. I like. Will there be cocktails? I really like her a lot. I, I on the moon. The moon will do. <laughs> it's, it's so awesome that they got John Hurt in this today. This war will end. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And then, but the tones and colors also then lead you to stuff like the pure cheese of like. No more. Oh, actually, there's two titles for this painting. Gallifrey Falls. Mm. Oh, you see, that's where everybody's wrong. It's all one title. And then he reverses the titles. Gallifrey Falls. No more. Oh my God, that's so Stephen Moffat. Oh. He loves stuff like that. It's so it's Moffitt. so Stephen Moffat. Like I'm sure you've seen those bots or Markov chains that generate titles of Doctor Who. You know mm. <laughs> how there's such a similarity, and like this one, it's you know Marvel Comics does the same kind of stuff where they're constantly at Secret War and Secret Wars and Secret War Two and you know, all the different kinds of things where you're remixing all of the things that push somebody's nostalgia buttons, which this very much does. Yeah, this episode, Day of the Doctor and Eleventh Hour, are um, two of my top three. I'd say. Absolutely. And, you know, being a hardcore Doctor Who fan, I wish I had some less normie answer to that. Like, oh, my favorite is some serial from the 1960s that is lost and no one can watch anymore. Oh, like your favorite is like Shada or something. Shada! But I like the ones where they don't have all the footage. <laughs> the untransmitted story. Exactly, no. But unfortunately, I have to be populist about my, my Doctor Who opinions because, you know, Doctor Who is like big family entertainment that it tries to like bring everyone into it. I just found it like one of the most satisfying fan experiences I've ever had. You know, and obviously you get into the Nusser, you know, all, all the... You get into the, uh, you know, the curator who knows. Who knows? Who knows? It's just, it's a fantastic episode. And I think in some ways, a lot of people are going to say Blink is the best episode, uh, Stephen Moffat episode. But I feel like his deep fandom for the franchise really pays off in this one. And um, I can just watch it over and over. What do you think about Clara? It's always interesting to me when you've got a little bit of overflow, when you've got a companion that's been with more than one doctor, mm. you know. I'm sorry. It's so it's so weird and bumpy at first. and I don't think I know who you are anymore. I, th- I feel like some definitely have more, um, shall we say, chemistry than others. But I uh, I like her a lot. Do, do you have a feeling about Clara? Uh, she's my favorite character in Doctor Who, actually. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that weird faint where she's the different. Real. She's Oswald. She's Oswald. I love that. <laughs> in retrospect, I think it's so cool and weird. But there's the one where she's running around with the different doctors and the different Tardises, and oh, I'm going to go steal a Tardis. Name and, of the Doctor. Yeah. What do you think of that stuff? You know, that's that's not that's not the part of her story arc that I love the most. I, I think that was like a good wrap up to like the initial mystery of like, ooh, what's the truth about Clara? Um, and then that that episode puts that to rest. Day of the Doctor is the very next episode after that. And this is where I think she starts to become a little bit more interesting. Um, and my favorite era of the show is the two seasons she did with Peter Capaldi. In, in many ways, one of the reasons I love this episode is I feel like it sets the agenda for the Capaldi era in an interesting way. Yeah, She's holding him to Tell account, holding him to the promise, you know. Tell me. My good man. Oh, to be like his his human conscience almost. And, and Capaldi becomes someone who I doesn't always live up to. Don't know never cowardly or cruel he is sometimes a bit cruel just because <laughs> well he's also he's also malcolm from the thick of it he can't help it <laughs> and do not move or i will perform a fucking living fucking autopsy on you with a fucking rusty speed and i'll have your kidneys for 
fucking cufflinks. Exactly. I think I, I think the writers they might not have even known that Capaldi was cast when they were writing their scripts. But when you write like just normal Doctor stuff that's charming and witty from Matt Smith, it can has have like this kiddish. How can you kiddish? biting edge when it comes from? I don't like the color. An actor like Peter Capaldi, absolutely, um, and and so I feel like I don't know the, the the arc that they've had and and the way they play off of one another. This this moment is a nice little kind of precursor to to that. My favorite my favorite bit of chemistry throughout the show. Have you watched any Doctor Who during the pandemic? I should say because I don't know when this is going to drop. It's probably going to drop months from now. But uh, at the time Aww, that we're rec- that's a bummer. You should put this out now. This is important material. <laughs> uh, I, I know it's it's all important, uh, especially like in in a time like this. But have you watched any during the the COVID-19 pandemic? No. And this is, I need, now speaking of things that need a name, I need a name for a thing where I was very into something for a while, time passed, and then I'm not as into it. It's not that I'm not as into it because I don't like it, or it just, life comes along. Maybe you watch other things. So I love Jodie Whittaker. I know exactly who I am. I I adore her. I'm the doctor. She was great on Broadchurch. I think she's wonderful. But I, it just, I started falling away with Capaldi a little bit for no particular reason. And then I've only seen a couple episodes with her. I'm way, way out of the loop on this stuff. Uh, no, we haven't. Have you? Oh, well, it, yeah, it's interesting because Stephen Moffat actually created a Twitter account after having been off it for years to join in with like a live tweet thing. And they did um, the first one they did a couple weeks ago as of uh, when I'm talking now was the day of the doctor. He did like a tweet along where You're kidding. it was so good. He then he then did the 11th hour. Oh I think God. tomorrow they're doing the doctor's wife. That was Neil Gaiman, right? Did he write that? Yeah, Gaiman. And he's Gaiman's also tweeting along. Oh, that's they, so gotten, cool. I love stuff like this. They've gotten like. Matt Smith and Karen Gillan and and all the like the directors and various various people. Yeah, that's been that's been a lot of fun. It's interesting because like as as you you mentioned like the doctor has a very different relationship with the concept of time where he's able to like have a conversation with his past self. Mm-hmm. But you know, when I when I go back and watch this, it's it's been about 7 years since this aired, so it's long enough ago that I have some distance from the person I was in 2013 sure. and I'm able to be in sort of at least a mental conversation with you know, the person I was then and at a, at a very different part of my journey. And I'm curious to know, like, because your, uh, your relationship with this, as you've mentioned, is, is one that it's, it's like very nostalgic. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you find happens when you're either watching something with a nostalgic quality like this or going back and watching something that you watched at another time in your life? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, this is another, not, not to always be playing the stupid parent card, but just the, the adult card, maybe. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I think about something like a Pixar movie or I think about something, it really could be any kind of movie, but you um, appreciate it in different ways. Ways and on different levels in life. Like there's all the kinds of things that you are aware of as a child. And that could be something as stupid and hurtful as a mother-in-law joke, or it could be something about, you know, uh, whatever, Ralph crammed and um, threatening to hit his wife and send her to the moon. There's all this kind of stuff where you're like, oh yeah, that's a grown-up thing. That's a grown-up thing is like not liking your mother-in-law. And that's some some part of our lizard brain, American culture, is that kind of thing. Well, as it happens, my late mother-in-law was one of my favorite people of all time. So that joke falls a little flat for me. But the truth is, there are these sort of iconic stories. I mean, this is a very, I guess, sort of Joseph Campbell thing. There's only really so many kinds of stories in the world, whether that's 7 or 35 or however you slice it up. But sure. I do very much feel that there are things I will go back and appreciate in different ways. As a corollary, though, it's also weird to go back and watch movies from the 80s that I don't remember being so 
horribly offensive. Mm. Where at the time I thought, oh, that's really funny. Those guys are like, you know, getting that girl drunk and tricking her into doing sex stuff. And now I'm like, ugh. But then even something like Toy Story, where I could appreciate it because, you know, I, I was a kid. I had toys that I thought were real. Mm. And I would watch that. It was my little girl's favorite movie when she was two or three. And we would watch it constantly. And then by the time you get to Toy Story 3 and Andy's giving the toys away and you realize that this all along... Well, I do have a theory that Toy Story 3 is actually about the Holocaust. Ask me about that another time. But I do think it is very much about realizing... But we've always said this job isn't about getting played with. It's about... Being there for Andy. We know. I mean, in that case, the toys are the parents. Yeah, very much. And that really lands on you in a way that it wouldn't when I was 18. Oh, the toys, they're the ones that are going in the attic. It's the parents in some ways that are going in the attic. And I, I could appreciate that intellectually. You know, you say you explain that to somebody. But again, back to this sort of idea of the carousel and nostalgia and stuff like that, that when you're sort of forced to confront this idea to hold these two different ideas in your mind and have to reassess through this dumb piece of TV media, I think that can still that can be incredibly moving. There's a reason we keep watching The Office. Mm. There's a reason we keep watching Parks and Rec. There's a reason so many people love watching Friends. Friends is not a very good show. It's also weird to go back and watch Parks and Rec because there's so much neoliberal horse crap on that show that at the time I thought was charming and now I think is dangerous. Yeah. Anyway, um, it's all going to be great. It's all going to be great. Yeah. Anyway, if we're still around when this episode <laughs> comes out, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so so the, the promise, never cruel or cowardly, mm-hmm. never give up, never give in. Do you know the origin of that turn of phrase? I don't. I don't. I'm led to believe that like a lot of things on this show, the idea of this thing called the promise had been out there. And it's interesting to me rewatching it today, the way that Clara is phrasing it as, I never quite put together that what she's saying is that when you chose that name, mm. you said it was a promise. I had never really thought about it exactly that way. What, what is the history of that? The notion of the doctor's name being a promise, I think that's fairly original to this era of Doctor Who, like 2012, 2013. Yeah. But the uh, the phrase, you know, never cooler, never cowardly, never give up never give in yeah that actually goes way back to the 70s in a, a book called the making of doctor who by terence dix oh really he was one of the writers right he was one of the writers he also wrote um like i think he wrote a couple of the novelizations that i had maybe he, he wrote like a plurality of the novelizations okay i do know that name yeah in many ways like that's that's how a lot of folks you know consumed doctor who when they weren't able to get reruns because there weren't as many reruns or mm-hmm. was, was it on Netflix in, in, the, in 1976, apparently, from what I've, I've been told? Absolutely. Well, and also it was just this is sort of erratic. Like what is, what is the situation? What is the state? Unless you're reading, I don't know, Starlog or something. How would you even know? I mean, I, I've never seen a Sylvester McCoy episode. Bad on me. But like that entire era or the movie with uh, what's his head, like all of that is just kind of a black box to me. So this like statement of the promise is like a canonization of this thing that Terrence, Terrence Dix said, you know, out of narrative really writing about why the doctor is such a great character and Moffat, you know, takes that and makes it a part of the show's lore, which I don't know, that, that's especially touching to me now, like, because yeah. uh, Dix died about six months ago, I think. Oh, man. Uh, it, it's, it's, you know, an, another part of that nostalgia about, like, connecting with something from a different time. I also feel like I imagine that I'm far from the first person to realize or say this, but to me, one of the big lessons of The Doctor and something I really try to remember, you see this in differing amounts with all the all the different ones. You see this with Tom Baker, you see this with, uh, definitely with Jody Whitaker, you see this with all it's not that they are without fear Mm. it's that and as we all know you know courage is about feeling the fear and doing it anyway it's just that the thing that always precedes fear and panic is curiosity and i I love that about the 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 doctor's first thing is you know look at you you beautiful thing oh really you are you're gorgeous look at that 
Space Age clockwork. I love it. I've got chills. Mm. Like, you know, whether that's a dinosaur on a spaceship or... Dinosaurs on a spaceship. You know, whether that's the thing that just came through the roof of the bus or whatever it is. What are you? They're always first curious. Okay, don't like questions. More the private type. Okay. About what the thing is. And again, this may sound corny, but I think we could all do worse than to start trying to have our fear preceded by certainly reasonableness, but really preceded by curiosity. Like, what is this thing that I'm looking at here? You know, it, could this thing be beautiful? Does it have to be dangerous just because it's unusual to me? And the doctor is well situated to have encountered lots of things that seemed pretty weird at first for, you know, hundreds of years. But eventually they discovered it's not what it seemed to be, you know, the shadow of the Colossus kind of thing. So I don't know. I, I, I really, I do try to remember that about myself, that like I could be a better person if I replaced fear with curiosity about two or three times as often as I do. Mm. So if the name Merlin were a promise, what do you what do you think that promise would mean? Let's see. Never useful <laughs> or appropriate. Always make boner joke. Always make poop joke. Fair enough. <laughs> I've been working on it for centuries. <laughs> and that is it for this episode of The Moment. Thank you very much to Merlin Mann for joining me. You can find Merlin on Twitter at Hot Dogs Ladies. That's H-O-T and then the word dogs and then the word ladies. You can also hear Merlin on numerous podcasts, including, but not limited to, Reconcilable Differences, California King, and Do By Friday, which he co-hosts with previous The Moment guest, Alex Cox. You can find show notes and past episodes of The Moment over at themomentpod.com, and you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at themomentpod. To those of you who have said kind words about the show's return, thank you. It has been a while, and it means a lot to me to know that you're still out there listening and presumably enjoying. If you would like to support the creation of this show, then you can become a patron over at patreon.com slash themomentpod, or you can just tell a friend that the show is cool and that they should listen. If you'd like to oppose the creation of this show, then please don't do that. That's a very strange thing to want to do. I'm Tom Dickinson, and I'll be back in a moment. Do you have anything else you want to get out about the the moment before we wrap up? Uh, anything else? I don't think so. I um, who's your favorite doctor? Uh, Capaldi. Really? Yeah, Capaldi's my. Favorite. When did you? Okay, now it's my turn. Hot shot. And I'm going to put this out. I'm going to put this out before I put yours out. Go for it. This one's going out. I'm going to help people. When did you? When did you uh, remind me when you first started watching Doctor? I, st- I first started watching about 2007. Um, at the time, I was. Oh wow.